Mark 15, 33, and when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. At that ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed, gave to him drink, saying, let alone let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Father, would you help us today? Lord, we need your presence. We need your help. We pray the Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray if there's any distraction that we have in our hearts or minds now that you would just remove that so we could hear from you. And uh, Lord, help us, I pray, as we listen to your voice through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you about a subject here today um, that really I believe this, if you've ever gone through this, you understand. And I'll assure you, if you haven't, then you will. And if you never do, you're the rare one that never does, then I believe you just today count yourself fortunate. But uh, we find here in Mark chapter 15, we read of the crucifixion. We read of the time just before the death of Christ. Everything has taken place up to this play, this point. Jesus has been tried. He's been lied about. He's been beaten. The crown of thorns has been placed upon his head. He's been through all of it now. The nails have pierced his hands and his feet. He comes to the place where he's just ready, the Bible says, to give up the ghost or to die. That verse shows us this, that he gave up his life. They didn't take his life. He gave up his life willingly. But here in this passage of Scripture, something that I've really I've never seen before that has helped me in my study this week that uh, I want to bring out, and I'm going to give you about seven or so thoughts here this morning that I want you to write down in your heart. Like I said, if it doesn't help you now, it'll help you later. If it never helps you, then consider yourself fortunate. There was a time just before this that Jesus was in the garden and Jesus was crying out, praying, if this cup could pass from me. What he's saying to the Lord was simply this, if I cannot have to do this, if there's any other way, let this pass. He, I don't believe, was speaking necessarily of the physical pain that he was going to go through. Although I'm sure he wasn't looking forward to getting beaten and his, blood, uh, his beard plucked out and a crown of thorns upon his head. I'm sure those weren't anything that he was looking forward to. But I believe when he was asking for this cup to pass, I believe he's speaking of this event. Because at this moment in time is when Jesus Christ, he took all the sin that's ever been committed, he took it upon himself. And at that moment, when God saw that sin, he turned his back. And Jesus, for the first time ever, was separated from his Father. Now, we, I don't believe, can even conceive of that thought because in our minds, we, everything is time. But before time even existed, Jesus was. So 
billions upon billions upon billions upon billions upon trillions of years ago, Jesus was. He and the Father was one. The Bible says in John chapter number one that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. It was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't understand all of that to be able to explain it properly today. I just, by faith, believe it because the Bible says it. But we know this, that before time even existed, Jesus Christ did. The Son Never before experiencing the separation from the Father. Never. But at this moment in time, the Father turns his back on the Son because the Son takes upon the sin of the world and God cannot look upon sin and Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Darkness is there. The Bible says that when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. For a period of time, there was darkness. And for a moment in history, Jesus knew what it was like to be separated from the Father. Darkness. I believe this, and I... I hope this message is a help to you today. Because I believe that we taste a little bit what Christ went through. I believe that God allows us to go through things because he wants us to become more like Christ. I believe this. In every Christian's life, there may be a time, there probably is a time, where you wonder, God, are you there? Do you hear my prayer? Do you, do, you, do you hear me? And you feel maybe in, in, in the moment here where Jesus felt, you think, God, I know you're real. I trust you. I, I know that I'm saved. I, I know the promises in your word, but are you there? I'm praying and I don't feel like my prayers go higher than the ceiling that the room I'm in. I'm reading my Bible and I'm longing to hear from you, but it's been so long. I've got this need. I've got this trial. And God, are you even there? Do you care? And I want to speak to you today about this, about this darkness. About 13 years ago, 2004, 2005, there was a period of eight months in my life where I went through this period of discouragement and often I would say, Lord, are you there? Do you hear me? I remember, I mean, it got horribly bad and I was full-time in the ministry and, and serving the Lord and I, I just felt, though, every single day I'd wake up and I'd say, God, are you there today? Do you hear me? Do you care? Do, do you want me to pray today? When I read, will you speak to me? And, 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 and I remember that time of, of eight-month period of my life where it was just so discouraging. I would even say this, at times it even felt hopeless. I don't talk about those times much, and one is I don't like to think about them. The other is when you've been through that, you... Realize this, at any moment, you almost can feel like it's coming back on. Discouragement. There's days that I wake up and I 
before I even open my eyes, I'll say, Lord, I need your presence today. Is it going to be a good day or not? I remember during that period of time, I, I would think the Lord... Michelle could have a better husband than me. My kids could have a better father than me. And it was discouraging, discouraging. I'd lay in bed and the best thing, the best plan I had those days was just taking the covers and putting them over my head. That seemed like the best plan. And then I'd have this little lady kicking me out of bed saying, you got to go to work. I said, I don't want to go. No one wants me to go. And she says, you got to go. And I said, why do I, why do I have to go? And she says, because we need to eat. You got to go. And so she forced me to get out of bed. And I remember those times. I honestly, I'd say, Lord, are you there? Like, I, I, know, I know you're there. I'm not doubting my salvation, but I just don't sense your presence. Are you there? Do you hear me? Do you care? And I believe this, that every Christian at some point in their life goes through a period of time, goes through a season, maybe a short season for some, but every Christian goes through a time where they wonder, God, are you there? I mean, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but I just, I don't know if you're there. And I want to give you some thoughts. Because Jesus went through that here on the cross. He is on the cross to become sin for you and for me so that we could have everlasting life. And in that very moment, God turns his back because God cannot look on sin. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And he sees his son. And for all of time, for all of eternity... He's never been separated from the Son. The Son has never been separated from the Father. But because of your sin and because of my sin, there was a time that they were separated. I want you to write these things down in your heart, if you would, please, because I, just from this passage of Scripture, I see this. The reason why this event happened was because of sin. Now, it wasn't because of Jesus' sin, because Jesus never sinned. He was sinless. He was perfect. He was, he was God in flesh. And Jesus was here. This event happened in his life, not because of his sin, but because of sin. Eve sinned, causing the need for a Savior. Sin entered into the world, and then every single person now that, that is born in this world is born into sin. And Jesus Christ had to come and die so that you and I could be redeemed back to God. And he's here on the cross because of sin. He's separated from God. He cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me because of sin? Not his sin. Your sin and my sin. And there's going to be times in your life that, that, that you're going to come to this place of darkness where you cry out, God, do you care? God, are you even there? God, do you love me? Do you hear me? Do you, do you care what's happening in my life? And, and I want you to know, first of all, what I see here, it's because of sin. It's because of sin. And it doesn't mean that you're sinning at that moment, but, but it, sin is in our world, and 
I think, of, I think of Julie there in the hospital in the Cleveland Clinic. And it's not because she has sinned that she's there paying for that. But because sin exists in the world, there's, there's clinics like that that people have to come and get surgery. And cancer exists because of sin. Because of sin, there's times in our life that causes us to think and feel that God, you're not there. God, you don't hear me. God, I, I need you now more than ever, but I don't sense your presence. It's because of sin. Number two, I want you to write this down. It wasn't because he was out of the will of God. Jesus was in the will of God. He was doing exactly what the Father had said. And there may be some that are going through a season in their life or maybe you've gone through a season in your life where you just think, God, I just feel like you're not there. I, I need you to answer these prayers. I need to know that you're here, but I, I wake up today and I, I just don't sense your presence. And it, it's been for a time period of my life and I, I need to know your presence. It doesn't mean that you're out of God's will. Because Jesus was doing exactly what his father had told him to do. These seasons of darkness that they come upon us. They come upon every Christian. As I said, if they haven't, they will. If they don't ever, then count yourself fortunate because you're very, very few. That will ever go through this Christian life where at a time in your life where you wonder, God, are you there? I need you doesn't mean that you're out of God's will. Because I believe that God allows us to go through these seasons like this in our life to cause us to understand Christ and become more like Christ. God uses these times in our life to mold us. And unfortunately, I wish that he could mold us and form us a different way. But God chooses to mold us and form us sometimes through fire, sometimes through, through hard times, sometimes through trials. But it doesn't mean that just because you're in a trial and you're trying to sense God, just because you just feel like he's not there, it doesn't mean that you're out of God's will. It may mean that this is part of what God's doing for your life. I want you to look with me in verse number 35. The Bible says this, and some of them that stood by when they heard it said, behold, he calleth Elias. I want you to write this down, number three, please. Those looking on won't understand what you're going through. I find this to be true. Those that are looking on, when you're in this period of darkness, those looking on, they don't understand what you're going through. Here they're seeing Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he's crying out this. God has turned his back on Christ because of their sin. Those that are saying, maybe, maybe Elias is going to come. They're looking for some event to take place that's never going to take place because what they're hearing and what they're seeing isn't about Elias coming. What they're hearing and what they're seeing is about their sin causing God the Father and God the Son for a moment in time to be separated, never understanding that before, never going to have to do this again, but the Son 
son feeling all the sin of mankind upon him, God looking down and saying, I must not look upon this because I'm a holy God, I'm a just God, and turning his back. And God, for a moment, Jesus Christ saying, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And those that are looking on don't understand what you're going through. They may think they do. They may see your situation and have their own thoughts of why. I think of Job's friends that came and they're telling Job all the things that Job needed to know and needed to see. And they were telling Job what God wanted Job to know. They didn't have a clue what God was doing. They didn't realize that this was God's plan for Job. They didn't realize that God was testing Job and putting Job through this because God wanted to show that Job would stay faithful. It had nothing to do with what his friends were thinking. It had everything to do with what God was trying to accomplish in his life. Listen, this morning, child of God, you will go through times of darkness, times of discouragement, times when you pray, you say, God, where are you? Times when you read your Bible, you say, I'm just not hearing from you. Kind of go through your life just feeling like God doesn't care. And when this happens, realize this, those that are looking on, they won't understand what you're going through. I see in verse number 36 as well, and one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. I want you to write this down, number four. Men will not have what you're looking for at this time. Men will not have what you're looking for at this time. Here, Jesus cries out, and those that are looking on are saying, oh, he's calling for Elias, and one had this idea, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help him. And so he took this sponge, and he dipped it in vinegar, and had it on this rod, and reached up to the cross, and, and meant to put this in Jesus' mouth, thinking that he thirsteth, and I'm going to help Jesus through this. And there's going to be some that feel like this, I can help you through this, but they're not, they don't have the answers of what you're looking for, only God does. They may look at the situation and think they understand, but they don't have what you're looking for. Just like this man here in verse number 36, this isn't what Christ was looking for. He wasn't saying, I thirst. He wasn't saying, Elias, come down. He was saying, God, it's dark. And I feel like you've forsaken me. The truth is this, when you go through this darkness... You understand it, and you never want anyone else that you love to experience this. And it's at these moments in your life you realize how much you really, truly need God. You realize this, no matter how you try, how hard you try, no matter what you do, you can't muster up the answers in yourself to figure this out. Because if you could, you'd change it. And you realize this, that nobody else can help you. It's what God has allowed you to go through. And, and nobody else seems to have the answers. And their answers don't help. And their answers don't make sense because they look at the problem and they think they understand, but they don't understand what you're going through. Because this is something that God says 
for a moment in your life, I want you to endure. I want you to go through because through this, there's something about Christ you're going to learn. Man doesn't understand. There's times that somebody will say, so pastor, what do you think? And I'll say, I don't know. I'm discouraged and I'm depressed and, 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 and I need answers. And I just, what do you think? And I'll remember I've been there and I understand that. And God is the only one that in your situation can give you the answer you need because sometimes men try to help and they only discourage even greater. Moses said this, God, I'll go. But you have to go before me. What Moses knew is this, I can't do this on my own, Lord. I'll go to Pharaoh and I'll, I'll stand before Pharaoh and I'll, I'll, I'll seek to deliver the people and I'll do what you ask to do, but I know this, I can't do this in my own strength, Lord. And God, I believe at times in our life that he gets us to this place where we understand that we can't do this in our own strength. To get us to the place where we understand that we need his help. Because so often, I know for me, so often I think that I can figure the problem out. Just give me enough time. Just give me enough resources. Just give me enough of whatever and we'll figure this out and we'll go forward and we'll take ground and everything's going to be okay. But sometimes God says, I've got to touch you. You've got to go through darkness. Because it's in that darkness you learn the most that you need me. It's in that darkness where you learn the most about Christ. It's in that place where you understand where you're seemingly alone. Can't touch heaven and can't touch earth. No answers coming from either direction. You're there suspended as Christ was suspended here upon this cross, not touching earth, not yet touching heaven, wondering, is there anyone that can have answers? And sometimes God gets us to this place so we realize that it's God and only God that can meet our need. And Moses said, God, I'll, I'll go you got to go before me. you, you got, I can't do this alone. I need your strength. I need your power. I believe this, again, if you've not been there, you will. Christian, if you never experienced this, you can count yourself fortunate because you're few. When that happens, when this happens, I want you to write this down, that number five, God will remember everything that he has said before. He doesn't leave you there. He remembers everything that he said before, all the promises that he's made, all of the word that he has spoken. He'll always remember. I'm so glad that God never forgets, aren't you? 
I'm so glad that God doesn't forget that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of Abraham, and Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter 15 when God says to Abraham, I'm going to make this covenant with you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless all nations because of you. And through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And I'm going to, I'm going to bless your seed and, 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 and I'm, going to, I'm going to cause all the families of the earth to be blessed because of you, Abraham. Matter of fact, Abraham, your seed is not going to be as the numbers of the sand of the sea. They can't be numbered, neither can your neither can your seed. And from you, Abraham, this Messiah is going to come, the Savior. Kings are going to come from your seed. And, and he made all of these promises to Abraham. And Abraham said, God, God, what, what are you going to do to, to show me that this covenant is true? God said to Abraham in Genesis 15, make a, make a sacrifice. And in those days, what they would do is they would make a sacrifice and they'd in the midst of the sacrifice, they'd quarter them off and they'd walk through, not on the fire, but in the midst of this sacrifice, they'd have it sectioned off so that you'd walk through this sacrifice. If you were making a covenant with someone and they would walk through this sacrifice and as you walk through, both parties would walk through this sacrifice. Both of them are committing to what the agreement was in that sacrifice. And if one would not hold to their bargain, the other would remind them of this sacrifice and they would be held to this agreement, this covenant, because of this sacrifice. And God said to Abraham, all right, I'll show you that my covenant is true. I'll show you that I'm going to bless my covenant. And he said, Abraham, I want you to make this sacrifice. And Abraham makes this sacrifice and, and he waits upon God and, and, he, and he waits more upon God and he gets to the place where the Bible says the birds from heaven come down and begin to begin to eat this sacrifice. It's been there so long and Abraham shoos all of the birds away and he's waiting upon God and God finally, but the Bible says he puts Abraham in the darkness. He uses that word darkness. He causes a great sleep to fall upon Abraham. Abraham is wanting to walk through this covenant with God so that God would bless him. He says, what are you going to do, God? And God says, I'm going to give you a covenant. But he puts Abraham to sleep. The Bible says when Abraham falls asleep, this, this lamp, this lamp goes through this, this covenant, this sacrifice. It goes through for God and it goes through for Abraham. And Abraham is asleep going through this sacrifice. And what God was showing Abraham was simply this, that Abraham, you can't do anything to keep this covenant. You're going to fail. You're going to sin. You're going to do something that's going to break this covenant. My covenant with you is not dependent upon you and your promise. My covenant with you is dependent upon who I am. And I'm going to walk through this for you. And I'm going to walk through this representing me. And this covenant is going to to be sure, not because of what you're going to do, but this covenant is going to be sure solely based upon me being God and me fulfilling this covenant. So Abraham, if you ever sin, my covenant is not going to be affected. And I'm so glad the same thing is true with my salvation. I'm so glad there was nothing that I could do to earn it, and there's nothing I can do to keep it because I'd lose it because I'm not 
perfect and I sin, but I'm so glad that I don't have to wake up every day wondering, am I saved today? No, the covenant was made there upon the cross. Jesus Christ died. He made the sacrifice for my sin. That payment was sure. That payment was complete. There's nothing more that must be done. My salvation is sure because of Jesus Christ and what he did upon the cross. Listen to me, that same God that made that covenant with Abraham, that same God that made that covenant with you through Jesus Christ. When you come to those times of darkness, he remembers everything he did before. And he keeps his word. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verse number 10. The Bible says this, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. I want you to see that word, that two words, holy one, those are capitalized. That is Jesus Christ. He is prophesying. He is saying that you are not going to allow Jesus Christ to just simply die upon the cross. You're not going to let him see corruption. He's going to rise again. He's going to, he's coming out of the grave. And so there's a promise that was made. And so at this moment in Mark chapter 15, when God turns his back on Jesus, he's not going to stay that way because he made a promise that he'd resurrect him again. He remembers everything he said before. And my friend, listen, when you're in that place of darkness, you aren't going to stay there forever because God remembers his promise. And at that moment, at that moment you experience grace. Hear me please, there's times in our life that we wouldn't experience this level of grace unless we're going through the darkness. There's many things that you experience, people go through, and you say to yourself, I don't know if I could ever go through that. The reality is this, you can because of God's grace. I remember when my father-in-law called me and said, Brian is dead. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, Brian, we just found him dead in the house. Brian's dead, 32 years old, my Michelle's brother, dead. And you would think to yourself, if I was a parent, if I was a sibling, if that was my family, I don't think I could endure that. I don't think I could go through that. The reality is God gives grace in those dark moments, in those times where you feel like you can't go on, in those times where you think, I don't know if I could endure at those times where you feel like, God, you're not there. Where are you? We experience his grace. It's at those times we experience grace that we would never experience any other way. Now for me, I probably would say, probably most of us, I would love to live my life, Linda, on the mountaintop. All good. Wouldn't that be great? Never a problem. It's sunny up there. It's beautiful up there. It's wonderful up there. But it's in that valley of darkness really truly understand God's grace that we never get we never understand we never receive when we're up here on this mountaintop and I would never wish anyone to have to go through that valley but I know for confidence sake I can tell you today that when you're there you'll experience God's grace and he doesn't leave you there to die 
He brings you there to experience a level of grace that you'd never experience except for the fact that you're going through that path. I remember those days for myself when getting under those covers, getting under the blanket seemed like the best time. Going through it, I was not understanding it, but looking back, those were the days that I experienced the level of grace. Those were days that God taught me. Those were times that God dealt with me. And then situations now, I look back now and I say, God, those were the days, those were the months, as long as they were, as hard as they were, as dark as they were, those were the times that you were molding me. Those were the times that I experienced your grace, the greatest, so that now when I'm ministering to someone over here and I see them in that darkness and I see them saying, God, will you just answer me? I know I can say for sure that in that place you'll experience a level of God's grace. And he won't leave you there. God will remember everything he said before. I want you to see in number six, God's going to remember how you helped others. I believe in this time that God remembered Jesus all the times he delivered many out of darkness in his life. God's going to remember the what you've done to help others. God's gonna remember the good that you've done. God's going to bless you and God's gonna give you the level of grace because God's gonna remember the help that you've helped with other people. God's gonna deliver you. And then lastly this morning, I want you to write this down. Go with me to Romans 8, please, if you would. Romans 8, verse number 11. But the Bible says this in Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Number seven, please write this down. The Holy Spirit will go to work for you. The same Holy Spirit, the Bible says here, according to Romans chapter number eight, it was the Holy Spirit of God that went into that tomb, that raised up that body of Jesus Christ. God was not gonna leave him there to suffer corruption. He was not gonna leave him there in hell. He was not gonna leave him there in death, but the Holy Spirit of God went in and resurrected that body of Jesus Christ and gave him life once again. And that same Holy Spirit that lived in you is going to do the same. He's gonna to go to work for you, that Holy Spirit, when you say, God, I don't understand. God, I don't, I don't know. God, I don't feel your presence. That Holy Spirit inside of you is going to go to work at times when you don't know how to pray. He's going to take those moanings and he's going to present them before God. He's going to make sense of what you don't know how to make sense out of. He's going to comfort you in times where you need to be comforted. He's going to convict you in times where you need to be convicted. The Holy Spirit of God is going to go to work inside of you and he's going to cause you to be what God desires for you to be. My, my comment, though, with that is just you cannot quit when you're in a time of darkness. You can't quit. Because it's there that the Holy Spirit, just like the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, he's the same Holy Spirit inside of you. He's going to help you and comfort you same Holy Spirit that's going to go to work for you. When I think about Romans 8, 11, it comforts me knowing 
the same Holy Spirit that had the power to raise our Savior from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that came into my life, into my heart, into my body the moment that I got saved, and he's been there ever since. At times when I don't sense his presence, I'm sure he's always there. At times when I don't feel his moving, I'm sure he's always there and he's working on my behalf. He's working to complete that work inside of me. He's working to cause me to be Christ-like. He's working to mold me and make me into what God desires for my life. And it takes these moments of darkness where the Holy Spirit comes through. We understand and sense the work of the Spirit even greater. As I said, I'm like you. I wish every day was a beautiful day. I was in San Diego this past week. Why I came home, I'm not quite sure. It was 75 and 80. Keith, they had, they had uh, surfboards out. I thought of you a couple times. Yeah. I mean, they were eating ice cream. They, they don't close their ice cream stands in Southern California. They're ice cream all year round. It was beautiful. I thought, why would anybody want to go back to, at that time they were saying eight inches of snow. But there was something here that I loved. Well, more than something. There was... Six somethings. How could I face that? It seems so much better if life looked like sunny San Diego. But it's in those dark times where God molds us, He changes us. We experience his grace like we've never experienced before. And we understand what the Holy Spirit of God does on our behalf. And we realize this. God didn't put Jesus on the cross to stay. He didn't get put in that tomb. In October and November of this year, we're taking, I guess, about 26 people to Israel. And we're going to visit this tomb they say that Jesus was in. I'm so glad when we look inside that tomb, our Savior's body is not going to be in there. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. He's raised him from the dead. God wasn't going to allow Jesus to see corruption. And he's not going to allow your darkness to ruin you. He does it because it's his plan. He does it by his grace. He does it so that his Holy Spirit could do a work in us. That unless that darkness comes, you may never experience. And that darkness is for our good. So how does that make sense? what God does. Stick with it. Don't quit. Don't quit on God. Trust in his grace.
and in his mercy.